All right, let's do our Q&A. So our first question, uh, can you explain the four judgments on cameras? I would like to upload it to Who God Really Is, my YouTube channel. So um, I would tell you, uh, go to our website, comeandreason.com, and at our website, comeandreason.com, go over to our resource section, and under the resource section, you click Power of Love Course, and under the Power of Love Course, you just scroll down until you find number 14, The Judgments. And that's a short lecture where I go through the four judgments uh, on number 14. And you've got it already there recorded, and there's a YouTube video on that already. So there you go. All right, next question. I am about to lose my my recovery from COVID-19 status six months post-infection. As the social and psychological pressure is increasing, I'm considering getting vaccinated. Finally, I am feeling uncertain about the whole COVID conflict. In case of getting uh, vaccinated, what would be the difference for which type of vax I get? We don't have an inactive substance available in Germany yet. So first off, anybody who told you that your vaccination status is about to expire is lying to you or they're ignorant. Of, of, this is based on this idea. We take measurements of antibody titers and antibody titers fall over a six to eight month period. We have a lower antibody titer six to eight months later than we did at the early, as the infection was getting over. That's true. That's true for every infection you've ever had in your life. Because when you mount an, a, a, a antibody response or immune response to any infection, your body gears up its immune system just like a uh, country gears up its army when you're getting invaded. And they, they draft people and they bring people in. And during World War II, we had millions of soldiers in the military and the Navy and the Air Force, and we had them all over the world. But after we won World War II, what did we do? We reduced down the military, and the numbers went way down. And you measure the number of soldiers, and we have in the uniform all over the world. They went down, 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 down. But we never actually got rid of the military entirely, and neither does the immune system get rid of its antibodies entirely. And you have T cells and B cells that remain. And we uh, have identified, for instance, SARS-CoV-1 from um, 15, 17 years ago. People still have immunity 17 years later from SARS-CoV-1. So uh, the, uh, the data would tell, tell us that, in fact, if you're recovered, the immunity you received from your infection is sustainable longer than the uh, so-called immunizations. Also understand that these things called vaccines do not meet the definition of any historic definition of the word vaccine. Um, by everyone's acknowledgement, finally, and including the authorities who have lied to us for almost two years, uh, these do not prevent infection. They do not prevent reinfection, and they do not prevent spread. What they do, they should not have ever been called a vaccine. They should have been called an injectable therapeutic. They were, designed, they were designed with the intention of supposedly reducing severity of illness. That's what they're designed to do. Okay? Um, but in reality, uh, that has also proved... Uh, in the verse, I will have to say honestly, against the Wuhan variant, there was evidence that, that was true. Subsequent to that, that is not true. That is not really uh, borne out. Um, to be true. There are many other therapeutics that are much better than these injectables with much lower risk uh, that you can uh, read about at various resources online. So regarding though taking one, uh, understand, if you are recovery recovered and you take this injection, you're taking risk. You're taking serious risk because you already have an antibody. And what happens, what will happen is they give you a very high, when you get, get a natural infection, understand, natural infection, you get a certain amount of virus. That virus begins to reproduce in your oral pharynx and other places. And, and it begins building over time. And you get a gradual increase in antibodies presenting to your body. If you've already recovered, then your body is able to mount a response, kick up the T cells and B cells, and you react to it. And uh, you're able to, to react and overcome. And you don't get terribly sick 
uh, with the second infection. But what happens with, with uh, these injections, if you already have antibodies in your system, you've already recovered, is you get a very high bolus of very quick production of these spike proteins as your, as your body begins producing them very rapidly. And you get a, and you get a much stronger reaction to that that causes, um, a, uh, for many people, serious side effects as they get autoimmune and other types of reactions going on. And, uh, and, and there's a whole other cascade of things. But the data shows that these injections... Um, are much more likely to cause harm to you than to benefit you. The risks outweigh the potential benefits. So you, you have a very sound medical reason not to get them at all. All right, next question. The wine which Christ provided for the feast and that which he gave to the disciples as symbolic of his own blood was pure grape juice. Desire of Ages, that's, that's correct. Desire of Ages 149. Uh, Paul advised Timothy to drink a little wine for his stomach's sake and often uh, uh, and, and, and various infirmities. Um, but he, but he meant the unfermented juice of the grape. He did not advise Timothy to take what the Lord had prohibited. That's out of Bible Echo, September 4, 1899. In light of the above quotes, <coughs> I have um, no doubt that the Cana wine was fresh, but what about Paul's Timothy wine? May not that have been um, some, uh, fresh or fermented? I guess that's what the question is trying to ask. For me, I don't really get bent out of shape about this kind of stuff. I, I, you know, either way you want to believe it is okay with me. I am convinced that the cana wine was fresh grape juice, very sweet, and uh, was shocking to them. Uh, but it is it is highly doubtful that uh, that the, the in my view, my my personal view, um, is highly doubtful that that Paul was telling Timothy to drink simply grape juice uh, for a variety of reasons. One, there was no refrigeration. How long does it take wine in an arid, hot country stored in whatever jars or skins or whatever you're storing it in for it to have a little fermentation? Um, so unless it's the season and they're just getting fresh grapes all the time, it was fairly unlikely. Secondly, um, if you understand the history of the human race, um, when people began traveling outside of their indigenous place, it was very difficult to get clean water. Water most of the time was dirty water, water out of a stream, water, water, you know, wherever you could get it, and it would have pathogens in it from the local area. And, and those pathogens, if you weren't, if it was not where you were endemic, would cause you gastroenteritis and you would get sick all the time. You'd have an upset stomach, diarrhea, vomiting all the time. Timothy is now, uh, traveling around as a missionary, going to new areas, and perhaps now he's drinking the water and getting sick. And so what, what did, uh, many countries, for instance, the British, uh, when they sent their sailors all the places, they would always give them this, this grog, this, which is a very weak alcoholic beverage. The weak alcohol wasn't something strong like a vodka. It was very weak, maybe 3 5% alcohol. They would kill the pathogens, and they would stay hydrated because dehydration is a, is a threat to your illness, and so is gastroenteritis and, and, uh, from these infections. So it is very, in my view, likely Paul's telling them, hey, when you're traveling, drink a little wine. Okay, uh, low alcohol content. Uh, don't get, don't be a drunk and get drunk. As we said, drink a little, not a lot. Okay, and, and avoid the gastroenteritis. So that's kind of my view on it. What advice do you give for clinicians to manage disappointment when their Christian patients' clients refuse to change dysfunctional thinking and move past pain, anger, and fear? What do you do? Truth, love, and freedom. And that's what I do with my patients all the time. Hey, I can't make you change. And uh, and I say to my patients, as your clinician, I will love you just as much, no matter what path you take. So you're not going to do this for me. 
But I'm going to lay out to you the two paths before you. If you go down this path, this is what happens to you. And here's why. And I show them the design laws involved and the consequences. If you go down this path, this is what happens. Now, you have to choose. I'll help you go down this path. But there is no health down this path. There's only pain and suffering down this path. And so I lay out the consequences and the reasons why, and then I give them options that I can work with them to help them down the healthy path, even if it's hard. But at the end of the day, if they choose to go down the other path, there's nothing I can do. Any comment on, the obs- on this observation? One of the very common lies of Hollywood is that we have one holy angel on one shoulder and one evil angel on the other shoulder, when the Bible tells us we have two holy and only one evil. I think the Hollywood depiction is simply a metaphor that we have two competing forces, uh, good and evil. I don't think it really is meant to ultimately be literal. So let's see. <clears throat> Go back to the top and start going through. I have a question regarding the change in reporting COVID deaths. Um, previously, you said that the reporting guidelines were changed from died of COVID to died with COVID. That is correct. And I give the reference for that in the article. And then added suspected of COVID death. That is also correct. Uh, doctors, even if it was a negative test, they suspected they could list it as, as a COVID death. That's correct. Uh, the deaths uh, directly attributed to only COVID would be much lower uh, than the so-called 800,000 uh, plus official record. That is also correct. Um, CDC website that he's going to reference from that I referenced in the article, only uh, 6% have actually died of COVID. The rest died with COVID. Uh, so his question is, I understand the desire to separate the healthy from the unhealthy, so forth and so on. Other conditions, cancer, vasema, asthma, and so forth. But isn't it possible that people with these other conditions uh, were, had their deaths accelerated by COVID? Uh, sure. Sure. Show me that. Give me that data. List that for me. Can you, can you quantify that? Can you confirm that? So, um, no, I, I think the way the numbers are counted, though, uh, and if you understand and you talk to physicians who have historically listed death certificates, um, when people have late stage, um, pick, your, pick your poison, late stage Alzheimer's disease before COVID, many of them, if not more, most of them died of? Pneumonia. But they're listed as Alzheimer's disease. Somebody with metastatic breast cancer or ovarian cancer all through their bones, um, and they stop eating, and their immune system gets weak, and they get pneumonia, what are they listed as dying from? Cancer. Cancer. Okay? Opportunistic infections of the respiratory system are a part of the end of life for most people. The immune system wanes, and they'll get some type of an infection when they're very weak, and they die. That is common. The corruption here is that they've taken all... Do you know what the average life expectancy in America is prior to COVID? So I'm saying prior to COVID, so we don't have an artificial reduction. 86, 84 years. I think it's 84 years. 84 years of life expectancy before COVID. Do you know the average age of the people dying of COVID? 86 years. So I'm, I'm going to say that alone refutes the, 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 what the implication of this question is. That we're significantly shortening lifespan. COVID is significantly, did not significantly shorten lifespan in this country. What did significantly shorten lifespan in this country and what is reducing lifespan in this country is all the actions we've taken as a nation that are irrational and delusional. I'm going to say delusional. 
shortening lifespan. Uh, all the actions that have isolated people, have shut down businesses, have increased poverty, have kept kids at school where they're not getting the nutrition that they would normally get because they're not in the Head Start programs that they're getting and, they don't, and their families are too far. And we're having increased, uh, uh, the, the, overdose, the overdoses have markedly increased, suicides have increased, uh, 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 all types of um, other deaths because we're not getting the proper medical screening that we normally, mammograms and colonoscopies and other types of things that people normally get or have been pushed off and, and other, other we have all kinds of problems, not to mention the deaths from the actual injections. COVID is not our problem. All the corruption and delusion around it is, and the fear. Next question. Over the years, I have uh, given many Bible studies in the book of Daniel, but I have never really comprehended uh, chapters 11 to 12 uh, verses 11 to 12 in chapter 12. Do you have any insight these prophetic comments? No, I've never really, I've never really studied those, so I don't have anything to add to those at all. Uh, he's talking about the 1,335 days and so forth and 1,270 days, I think. And so, no, I've never really looked into that. Uh, everlasting gospel. We often define everlasting gospel as the good news that God is not like Satan makes him out to be. If this is correct, then what was the everlasting gospel before the war in heaven? Uh, took place before Satan made accusations. Was it still, still is, simply God? Yes, of course it is. It's eternal. It is always eternally true that God is love and God is who he says he is, and it's always eternally true in the future. So that is the truth that is eternally true. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The eternal good news is about God. Just because questions hadn't been raised yet doesn't make that good, that, that good news less good. It was still good then. Yes, that is the good news. Um, I have a couple questions on Christ's nature in regard to the following excerpts in the uh, letter written to, uh, by Ellen White. Uh, Be careful, exceedingly careful, how you dwell upon the human nature of Christ. Do not set him before the people as a man with the propensities to, of sin. He was the sec- He is the second Adam. The first Adam was created a pure, sinless being uh, without a taint of sin upon him. He was the image of God. He he was in the image of God. He could fall, and he did fall, uh, through transgression. Because of sin, his posterity was born with inherent propensities of disobedience. That's the carnal nature, that's that fear and, 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 the, and that incapacity to resist it. Uh, we, uh, but Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God. He took upon himself human nature and was tempted on all points as, a, as, a hum, as human nature is tempted. He could have sinned, he could have fallen, but not for one moment was there in him any evil propensity. Brother Baker, avoid every question in relation to the humanity of Christ which is liable to be misunderstood. Truth lies close to the track of presumption. In treating, in treating upon the humanity of Christ, you need to re, uh, guard strenuously every assertion lest your words be taken to mean more than they imply. Never in any way leave the slightest impression upon human minds that a taint of or inclination to corruption rested upon Christ. The incarnation of Christ has ever been and will ever remain a mystery. But let every human being be warned from the ground of making Christ altogether human, such as one of ourselves, for it cannot be. Then the question goes on. Could we say that Christ inherited our fallen human weaknesses, fear, exhaustion, pain, hunger, thirst, but not the selfishness which we inherited from Adam? Uh, that he experienced the fear that we experience, since fear is the root of temptation, but that he conquered that fear through love. He didn't inherit propensities to evil. So uh, as I've, I've presented this, 
Uh, I present Jesus' humanity as different and unique from all other human beings. He was not like Adam and Eden, who was taken out of the dirt of the earth, and God breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a sinless human being. Jesus' humanity didn't come that way. He did not come as Eve did. Eve was taken from the side of a sinless human being, and she was also made sinless. That is not how Jesus' humanity came. Our humanity came, sinful mother, sinful father, conceive us in iniquity, Psalm 51.5. Jesus' humanity didn't come that way either. His humanity is unique. Galatians 5.5, he was born of a woman under law, so he had his humanity from Mary, descended from David, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, thus his father was the Holy Spirit. So in Jesus we have a unique being. We have a being who has a humanity capable of suffering the temptations like ours, but he has a mind or individuality or sense of self that is not corrupted with propensities or anything that responds positively to those temptations. So when we get our feelings hurt, some part of us feels good about retaliating. When he got his feelings hurt, he didn't have some part of him that goes, yeah, it would feel good to retaliate. He was tempted to retaliate, but he didn't have a part of him that would go, I would like to retaliate. See, this is the difference. Okay? And so he was tempted on all points like, wait, you talk about the selfish aspect, though. He was capable of feeling temptations of the human nature to feel the feelings that tempt him towards selfishness. We see that in Gethsemane. The prayer in Gethsemane was agonizing in terrible um, emotional anguish, and the prayer was specifically about, if it's possible, let this cup pass. So what's he being tempted with? Selfishness. He can't, he can't not be tempted with that. He has to be tempted. And it says in James chapter 1, no one should say God tempts, because God cannot be tempted. Each one of us are tempted. We're dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires. So he had a humanity that could tempt him with both fear and selfishness. But in his individuality, he didn't have a part of him that resonated with it and would feel good if he acted selfishly. We do. <laughs> and we've all done it. You know that, what I'm talking about. When you did something selfish, you felt good when you did it. And then later, you were convicted of the Holy Spirit and you repented of it. <laughs> right? Come on. Yeah. All right? He didn't have that part. That's what it's talking about. That's my understanding. As Omicron rages, I'm seeing more headlines such as FDA expands Pfizer boosters for, for more teens as Omicron surges. And I can't tell you what a corruption, what a fraudulent, what a... Uh, you understand that, that anybody under 18, for any of the versions, the likelihood of death, uh, if you're under the age of 18 or under, uh, in the studies out of Britain, it was .00007, which is statistically... Zero. Uh, 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 I think various data sets in America, if you, if you, now, kids under the age of 18 that have serious illness, leukemia, cystic fibrosis, if you know what that is, it's a very serious illness. It's a terminal illness. You will die of that at some point, usually by the time you're 20. And other serious illnesses, yes, this infection can be what tips them over the edge because they're, they're on the precipice of just being alive anyway because the illness that they've got is so serious. So for them, this could be a quite serious. But any healthy kid, I, the, my understanding is there's only been one death of a child in all of America from COVID that didn't have some serious underlying illness, one. Seasonal flu is much more lethal to children than this. Seasonal flu. There is no real benefit to children getting these injections. There is significant risk to children getting these. Almost most of the children in America have already been exposed to this and have an immunity to it. 
So injecting them with this thing only puts them at risk with no benefit. So it's quite corrupt. Um, but let me go into the question. But does the information you have regarding the FDA's sleight of hand move about community um, while the emergency use a shot from Pfizer maintain the status still hold true? I, I don't know the question. I don't know if community is yet available. And if you go get the Pfizer thing, you're actually getting anybody know still not available. Uh, I'm head shaking in here that, that nobody thinks it's available yet. I, I can't confirm that, but I haven't heard that it's truly available yet. Uh, Understand something else, folks. All of these manufacturers of this injectable thing refuse to produce it and make it available in any country that the governments didn't pass a law through their legislatures that indemnified them and made them immune from any prosecution. Think that through. Think about if we had a, an auto manufacturer says, I want to bring a car to sell in America, and we'll sell it in America if your government in, insulates us from any liability, from any manufacturer's defect, if, we don't, if the ignition switch doesn't work, if the brakes don't work, uh, uh, if, you know, if, the, if the transmissions fall out, uh, it, it, and you have these wrecks, uh, we can't be sued. Uh, would we let that product come to market? That's what this thing is, folks. Yeah, and, and, the, yeah, and whatever's actually in it and how they made it, that's uh, under some type of seal for 75 years. I've heard that, too. Um, okay. My friend gives Bible studies, and I have always participated in them. Our religious beliefs are very different, but I like her very much. She informed me that she speaks in tongues. Question, should I be involved, be involved in this class? Why not? You have an opportunity to, to witness the truth to her. Why would you not be involved in the class? If you're a friend, you like her, you're able to share things with her, she's open to truth. Uh, I, I wouldn't be concerned about somebody who says they speak in tongues. How else are we going to witness to people? So, yeah, I, I would be involved. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't throw me at all. But I would guard my own mind. That's what you want to do. Always make it a matter of prayer that you're, uh, the Holy Spirit goes with you and you hold back any demonic forces if you're concerned about that. The Lord will honor that prayer if you're going with, with his. Uh, you just look in Scripture. Anytime God's apostles and agents went somewhere, the demonic forces had no power over them. I can't even get my wife to think uh, entirely like I do. So. <laughs> Remember what General Patton said. If everyone's thinking the same thing, somebody's not thinking. <laughs> Quite right. Quite right. Australia is starting to roll out the invasive medical procedure to children ages 5 to 12 uh, this week. There appears to be both cognitive dissonance and mass hypnosis around COVID. Yeah, watch my blog coming out Thursday. My blog coming out this Thursday is going to be on, on, on mass delusion or mass psychosis or also called mass formation. And I'm going to unpack what, what, what contributes to that what's happening, because there is a mass psychosis, a mass delusion going on, how you can identify the difference between a fixed false belief that's co collectively reinforced and healthy beliefs that are, that are not delusional, is that when you have a healthy belief and somebody disagrees with you, you're okay. It's okay, you can disagree. Here's why I believe it, but I'll leave you free. Like, like if you, you have a healthy belief that cigarette smoke causes, uh, causes lung cancer. If you meet somebody that's convinced that you can, you can have better lung function smoking cigarettes, you, you just smile and it's okay, they can believe that. It doesn't distress you at all. But, but delusional beliefs, when people disagree with you, you cannot tolerate their disagreement. 
You must silence them. You must use power and authority to overrule them. You must shut down other voices. It's intolerable to you to hear evidences, and you're not open to be persuaded when you have a fixed false belief. And you'll, you'll, and I, and I unpack that. So look for that in the blog coming up this week. Anyway, um, there appears to be cognitive hypnosis. Yes. Many, um, not enough are attempting to rise up. However, those of us attempting to wake up those around us seem to be meeting an insurmountable unwillingness to hear truth. Uh, thoughts on how to break this mass hypnosis? Yes, actually, it'll be my blog Thursday. <laughs> For, uh, several steps you can take. One, uh, speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Never use violence. Understand when you have a mass hypnosis or mass psychosis. I don't call it hypnosis. Mass, mass psychosis, mass delusion going on. Typically, the, uh, those who are still uh, discerners of truth are in the minority. Once this go, once this spreads into a into a into the collective of the of the community, and so you don't want to use violence because it will it will trigger justification of violence in the other side, and you will get crushed. So don't use violence. Um, truth, uh, voices, raise your raise the evidences. There are people out there that will be benefited by the objections and the and the continued presentation of truth. That that's one thing. But when you go when you read the blog, you will see the variables that, that put people at, at risk for this. And when you understand the variables, then you'll understand the four steps that you can take that are addressing those variables um, and uh, will help people. It says, please explain 1 Corinthians three eleven through 15. For no other foundation can be laid, can anyone lay, than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds in this foundation, gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will be manifest for the day. Um, will be declared because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will examine each one's work and sort it out. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself be saved uh, yet as through fire. So the fire is talking about the fire of God's glory, the fire of God's presence, which is the fire of truth and love. The work, or these are the workers for Christ, means going out and winning souls. Those who build on gold, build on the truth of design law, what we're teaching, they actually come to know Christ and know God, and, and the people that they've converted will, will be saved. Those who build with other less, uh, um, let's say, um, pure things may have many people that they've converted, but they converted to a system that uh, doesn't actually convert hearts. Even though the person who was doing the converting, the, the, the person who was doing the work, uh, gave their heart to Christ, but, but remained childish in their understanding. The immature, as Hebrews 5 says. And so they teach an immature Christianity. They never really win people to Christ. They win them to a system of some kind. Um, what will happen when the, when the fires of truth and love burn, many of their converts won't be there because they never had a heart renewal. And they, those persons will be there because their heart was renewed, but they never matured. And so they will suffer loss because they will be very disappointed when they look at the work that they did and how pathetic the work was that they did. But they themselves will still be there as the, as the, as the child on the cross. So that's my understanding of what that means. Whereas the mature will have much to celebrate because they not only be there, but they will brought many, many more to the kingdom as well. Do you think that the parable of the ten virgins, they put ten individuals uh, with lamps. There's a reason they're listed as virgins. Uh, we don't need to um, be politically correct with our rephrasing of that. Virgins in Scripture are, are people who have not adulterated themselves with um, um, paganism or false god constructs. So these are people who would be uh, um, giving uh, themselves loyally to Christ, uh, is, the ten, is the idea of the ten virgins. Um, 
Do we uh, think of the parable of the ten virgins with lamps and oil waiting for the bridegroom has a uh, broader application than traditionally taught about waiting for Jesus to come? I've come to think we may need more oil in our lamps for living today, such as preparing a COVID preparation kit is putting oil in my lamp. No, I don't think so. The, uh, uh, the oil uh, in the lamp represents the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth and love. So as we have the Holy Spirit in our, our lamps, and we, are the, we are the lamps, the light into the earth. Okay? Um, as Jesus says, you know, says, Father sent me, so send I you. You're to be a light into the world. And so we're to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit transforms our character and also uh, enlightens our mind. And so we will be truth lovers, and we will present the truth in love, so we'll carry it out as Christ-like beings. And that's what it means to be one of the faithful. The, uh, the, the unfaithful, the, or the ones with lamps but no oil, they're the ones who have their Bibles and their Bible thumper, and they might also have the right doctrine, but they've never actually had their heart transformed. They haven't been renewed. They keep rules because the rules must be kept. Um, but they, they will, uh, in my view, end up ultimately presenting a, a misrepresenting God in the end um, by uh, by presenting a, a rules-based approach to, um, to Christianity rather than a transformational healing of the heart view of, of Christianity. And then, let's see, can you please, uh, says, please dis- discuss shedding from people who've received the COVID, COVID injection. Uh, you know, that's a theory. I, I have no data. No data. Um, there's no hard data that I've shedding is the idea you've been vaccinated and now you're shedding spike protein and infecting people around you. This is a theory that some people have come up with hypothesis that that potentially could happen. Um, and the hypothesis is based on the idea if you get infected, the vi- virions pre- reproduce and you can spread virions. Well, the spike protein is much smaller than the virion. So if your body's producing proteins and you can spread the larger virion, can't you spread the smaller piece that your body's producing? Um, this is theoretical. I have seen no hard evidence that this is happening. I've heard lots of stories and lots of anecdotal reports. It's potential, um, but I haven't seen anything that is confirming that that is happening. So I don't, I don't rule it out. I can't say it's a certainty either. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you again for your love and for your truth. We ask that your spirit will, will enlighten us, prepare us, and make us effective in preparing the world for your soon return. We pray in your holy name. Amen.